Hi, I'm Dina. And I'm Anoshi. And, and this, this is Formalized Curiosity. Curiosity, a podcast of cross-cultural conversations in our quest to understand the world around us. This episode is part of our series on dysfunction, where we explore the ways in which our political, economic, and social systems malfunction, why it happens, and sometimes how to fix them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Formalized Curiosity Podcast. I'm your host, Minoshi, and I'm here with the myth, the legend, the lovely Dina. Hey! Hello, hello. All right. Well, so today, today we're going to be talking about Israel's most recent election, which was extremely significant in the country's 73-year history because for the first time, a political party representing Israel's Arab minority attained unprecedented levels of political power by entering into Israel's governing coalition. In the context of Israeli politics, this event upends many of the implicit governing paradigms people typically took for granted. Um, However, the results of this election also represent an interesting window into the way in which marginalized, underrepresented groups attain political power within a system that's historically excluded them. Yeah, we've included this episode as part of our series of dysfunction for two reasons. First, within the context of Israeli society, the relationship between the majority Jewish population and the Arab minority citizens of Israel has recently risen to prominence as a major source of dysfunction. And more broadly, however, marginalization of minority groups is a global phenomena that we believe deserves some attention. So yeah, we, we've broken up our discussion of this topic into two separate episodes. So in part A, which you're listening to right now, we'll be providing some background on the history of Israel's Arab political parties and the way in which they've represented the political interests of the Palestinian citizens of Israel. In part B, you'll hear a discussion that we had with Professor Amal Jamal from Tel Aviv University as he provides his perspective on the election based on his decades of research on political activity of Israel's citizens of Palestinian origin. If you are already an Israeli politics expert, you can skip right to part B. But if you're new to coalitional politics and Arab parties in Israel, as we were before we started doing this research, stay tuned. So if you're still here and decided to keep listening, first of all, thank you. Um, As Manoshi mentioned earlier, a major focus of today's episode is an is on an historic moment within Israeli politics, when an Arab minority party was able to become part of the governing coalition within Israel government. In fact, this is the first time in Israel's history that an Arab party is part of the coalition and has a significant political power. Not that alone, but the government is led by a religious Zionist prime minister So have we reached the end of time? But in order to understand the full significance of the events, as well as discuss their meaning and implication, we should first give you a brief summary of the structure of Israeli political system, as well as some background about the Arabic parties today and in recent years. 
So the first thing to keep in mind is that Israel's government, like all other governments, has a very particular structure that, of course, influenced the outcome of these elections. And so as a result, we need to understand the structure in order to understand what happened in this election. So, so Dina, can you tell us a little bit about how Israel's government is structured? Uh, sure. So Israel's government is actually a parliamentary democracy. And it consists of three main branches, a legislative branch, an executive branch, and a judicial branch. Uh, So the legislative branch is actually just like House of Representatives, and it's called the Knesset. The Knesset has 120 members from many different parties. Each party represented had to receive some minimal threshold number of votes, In the Knesset, representation is proportional. So the number of candidates a party has is proportional to the total number of votes this party received. By the way, do you do you know what the what does the word Knesset mean? Um, So it's like a seat to to like gather together. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Um, Lit Kness is together. So uh, I guess it's from this word. Nice. But yeah, good, good question. Good comment. (laughs) I try. Um, yeah. So once once a, a Knesset is elected, uh, usually the, the head of the strongest party is given the mandate to form a new government, which is typically a coalition of multiple parties. The government will serve as the executive branch. Loosely speaking, for a successful government to form, it needs a majority of the 120 members of the Knesset to support it. Uh, so therefore, the governing coalition usually needs at least 61 supporters from the Knesset members. And since this is an episode about the Arab parties, it is worth noting that historically, the Arab parties were assumed to be in the opposition to the government. So for the most part, they, they were not even taking into consideration when trying to form a coalition. So the, that sounds easy, right? <laughs> Well, forming a coalition involving uh, multiple groups working together, uh, I can imagine that that's actually quite challenging at times. Uh, And indeed, as it turns out, forming a coalition with 61 supporters has actually been incredibly challenging in recent times. Um, So over the last few years, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his Likud party has tried and failed to form a majority coalition multiple times. Uh, His opponents from the left-center side of the political map also failed to gather a majority. And what happens when you can't form a governing coalition? You just have another election. It's like the Wild West out here. And another. (laughs) And another. And another. Yes. So, And we're not joking about this. This whole process of trying and failing to form coalitions has led to four elections in the last two years, starting from April 2019 and ending with this most recent election in March 2021. Uh, Politically and psychologically, this situation is terrible, as you might imagine. Israelis were voting in elections again and again without seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I actually personally experienced two of these elections, although I didn't I can't vote. But, you know, it's it's a weird situation. Um, Every time they vote, the results are were very similar um, with the votes shifting mainly within particular voting blocks. So it created this feeling of just intense deadlock that felt like it was never going to end. Yes, but 
all of that changed in March 2021. So the first thing that actually happened was that Ram, one of the Arab parties representing Palestinian citizens of Israel, announced that they want to enter into government coalition with the majority party. This was a major departure from their previous role as this eternal opposition, as we said, within the government. Yeah, that was definitely an important factor. Um, there was also a second important factor, which was that everyone was just really desperate in their own way by the time this fourth election rolled around. Uh, Netanyahu was facing criminal charges and was desperately clinging to power. And so he wanted to form a coalition more or less by any means necessary. Um, the other leading parties as well were looking to oust Netanyahu, but that would only happen if they could form a governing coalition themselves. Uh, and after four elections, no one wanted to go for a fifth one. Yeah. So given these factors, this incredible chain of events happened. So Netanyahu on his side saw an opportunity to harness the, this newfound support from Ram to form a coalition. However, his attempt failed because of the far-right parties he relied on for support. They actually refused to be in a coalition that would include the Arab parties or include Ram. So this, in turn, gave Yair Lapid a relative centrist to form a governing coalition. In this attempt, uh, which was ultimately successful, uh, he brought together an unlikely eclectic mixture of parties, including Ram, a Muslim fundamentalist party, and a religious Zionist parties. So historically, this government is really unprecedented because for the first time, an Arab party has entered into the governing coalition. So at this point, some of you might be wondering, like, okay, so what? Like, what's so great about being in the governing coalition? But What's important to remember is that being in the governing coalition comes with major perks. So in return for their support, Ram was able to make demands that will ultimately benefit the Arab community that they represent. So it created leverage, which in turn created power. Uh, in addition to that, Ram was able to gain representation in important government committees, including a committee dedicated to addressing violence within Arab communities in Israel. So the hope is that by joining the Israeli political sphere in a more complete way than they ever have in the past, Ram will have the power to make meaningful changes, though I would say, you know, given how new this government is, that ultimately remains to be seen. Um, we're also really interested in thinking about this whole political process because Israel's last election and the and the actions of the Arab parties during this election speaks more generally to a question of how ethnic minority groups can gain power within political systems in which they've traditionally been marginalized. Yeah. So we've talked so far about a specific ethnic minority. So let us present it a bit further. Uh, so in Israel, this ethnic minority we are referring to um, is the considerable fraction of people who are actually not Jewish. Indeed, something like 20% of the population fall into what are often referred to as the Israeli Arabs, uh, which typically represent the population of people who are Arab by descent, but are Israeli citizens. So, by the way, uh, we are going to talk uh, in part B of this episode about why this term might be problematic. 
Um, but of the people who are typically called Israeli Arabs, 83% are Muslim, 8.4% are Christian, and 8.2% are Druze. The population is considered relatively young, as 40% is below the age of 18. When asked in a national government survey in 2016, 11% defined themselves as secular, uh, while 57% traditional and 31% religious or very religious. So just speaking very broadly, these are the people who make up the, the so-called Arab ethnic minority in Israel. Yeah, so, right. So these are the people. And then when it comes to their political representation, in a typical election, roughly 80% of this Arab minority will vote for one of the so-called Arab parties. Um, however, voter turnout is usually quite low relative to the population as a whole. Um, in particular, in the March 2021 election, Arab voter turnout reached an all-time low of 44.6% relative to 67.4% for the population overall. Um, I will say for uh, for the Americans who are listening, these numbers probably sound really high, but um, that's a totally separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, but here in Israel, it is considered very low, right? Um, so let, let's actually talk a little bit more about those parties. So the Arab parties, Exactly who they are actually change over time. Uh, but in recent times, there have been four major Arab parties who are religiously and ideologically quite distinct. So the, the largest and most experienced of the four parties is Hadash. Uh, it was formed in 1977 and, and is known as the Communist Party and obviously also secular. Uh, it is also the only one that is not solely Arabic, uh, but also has some Jewish representatives, though not really balanced. Uh, it is currently led by Ayman Uda. The second party is Balad, and it's also secular, uh, but with a significant emphasis on Palestinian nationalism and identity. Uh, they used to be the strongest party, actually, in the 2000s, but they've been weakened drastically in the past few years following the resignation of most of its leadership. Tal is more or less a one-man party. It is led by Dr. Ahmed Tibi. Uh, it's ideologically not very clear, uh, but it strives to better the situation of Palestinian citizens of Israel. Ram the party that everybody has been talking about the, the most in the recent election uh, is actually the political arm of the southern branch of the Islamic movement in Israel. As such, it is a religious Islamic party and the most conservative of the four parties. One thing that is interesting about this party is that despite its religion leanings, uh, it has had a long-term interest in participating in Israeli elections. Indeed, the party was formed when the southern Islamic movement split from the northern branch in 1996 over the decision to participate in Israeli election. And the party is currently led by Mansour Abbas. Right. So one thing that's important to keep in mind is that in the most recent elections, voters typically weren't picking between one of these four parties. It's not like you had a ballot where you were choosing between 
uh, Hadash and Balad and Tal, et cetera. Uh, instead, in recent elections, the Arab parties have formed combined parties, essentially in an effort to consolidate their votes uh, and making sure that they cross that minimum threshold in order to enter the Knesset. Um, the combinations have differed from election to election. So, for example, in both elections that took place in 2020, all four parties ran as a combined party known as the joint list, while in 2021, three of the four parties ran together in the joint list while Rom split and ran as its own party. Yeah, so there there have been many combinations of the parties and, and many tactics, but regardless of all these complexities, uh, I think the Arab parties have consistently faced a real dilemma when it comes to their role within the Israeli government. Should they remain in the opposition, cons- consistent with their identity as Palestinians, uh, who by and large oppose to Israeli occupation, Or should they join the Israeli government as a way of gaining power and actually making a change in their communities? On some level, this is an issue that all ethnic minorities face looking to gain political power. Uh, But this tension is particularly relevant in the case of Israeli Arab parties and the election that just occurred. Right. So, all right. Here you have it. This is the backstory on Israel's latest election that took place in March 2021, uh, which has proven to be historic, both for the Arab and the Jewish citizens of Israel. So in part B of this episode, we we have a really interesting, extensive conversation with Professor Amal Jamal from Tel Aviv University, and he provides his unique perspective on this election, uh, not just as a political scientist, but also as a political activist for Arabs in Israel and as a member of Israel's Druze community. See you in part B.